0: Chapter twenty seven of the Vicar of Wakefield. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tyge Hines. The Vicar of Wakefield by Oliver Goldsmith. Chapter twenty seven. The same subject continued. The next morning I communicated to my wife and children the scheme I had planned for reforming the prisoners, which they received with universal disapprobation, alleging the impossibility and impropriety of it adding that my endeavours would no way contribute to their amendment, and might probably disgrace my calling. "'Excuse me,' returned I, "'these people, however fallen, are still men, and that is a very good title to my affections. Good counsel rejected returns to enrich the giver's bosom, and though the instruction I communicate may not mend them, yet it will assuredly mend myself.' if these wretches my children were princes there would be thousands ready to offer their ministry but in my opinion the heart that is buried in a dungeon is as precious as that seated upon a throne yes my treasures if i can mend them i will perhaps they will not all despise me perhaps i may catch up even one from the gulf and that will be a great gain for is there upon earth a gem so precious as a human soul Thus saying, I left them, and descended to the common prison, where I found the prisoners very merry, expecting my arrival, and each prepared with some gale-trick to play upon the doctor. Thus, as I was going to begin, one turned my wig awry, as if by accident, and then asked my pardon. A second, who stood at some distance, had a knack of spitting through his teeth, which fell in showers upon my book. A third would cry Amen in such an affected tone, as to give the rest great delight. A fourth had slyly picked my pocket of my spectacles, but there was one whose trick gave more universal pleasure than all the rest, for, observing the manner in which I had disposed my books on the table before me, he very dexterously displaced one of them, and put an obscene jest-book of his own in its place. However, I took no notice of all that this mischievous group of little beings could do, but went on— perfectly sensible that what was ridiculous in my attempt would excite mirth only the first or second time, while what was serious would be permanent. My design succeeded, and in less than six days some were penitent and all attentive. It was now that I applauded my perseverance and address at thus giving sensibility to wretches divested of every moral feeling, and now began to think of doing them temporal services also by rendering their situation somewhat more comfortable. Their time had hitherto been divided between famine and excess, tumultuous riot and bitter repining. Their only employment was quarrelling among each other, playing at cribbage and cutting tobacco-stoppers. From this last mode of idle industry I took the hint of setting such as chose to work at cutting pegs for tobacconists and chew-makers, the proper wood being bought by a general subscription, and when manufactured sold by my appointment so that each earned something every day a trifle indeed but sufficient to maintain him i did not stop here but instituted fines for the punishment of immorality and rewards for peculiar industry thus in less than a fortnight i had formed them into something social and humane and had the pleasure of regarding myself as a legislator who had brought men from their native ferocity into friendship and obedience and it were highly to be wished that legislative power would thus direct the law rather to reformation than severity that it would seem convinced that the work of eradicating crimes is not by making punishments familiar but formidable then instead of our present prisons which find or make men guilty which enclose wretches for the commission of one crime and return them if returned alive fitted for the perpetration of thousands we should see as in other parts of europe places of penitence and solitude where the accused might be attended by such as could give them repentance if guilty or new motives to virtue if innocent and this but not the increasing punishments is the way to mend the state nor can i avoid even questioning the validity of that right which social combinations have assumed of capitally punishing offences of a slight nature in cases of murder their right is obvious as is the duty of us all from the law of self-defence to cut off a man that has shown disregard for the life of another against such all nature arises in arms but it is not so against him who steals my property natural law gives me no right to take away his life as by that horse he steals is as much his property as mine if then i have any right it must be from a compact made between us that he who deprives the other of his horse shall die but it is a false compact because no man has a right to barter his life no more than to take it away as it is not his own and besides the compact is inadequate and will be set aside even in a court of modern equity as there is a great penalty for every trifling convenience since it is far better that two men should live than that one man should ride but a compact that is false between two men is equally so between an hundred or an hundred thousand for as ten millions of circles can never make a square so the united voice of myriads cannot lend the smallest foundation to falsehood it is thus that reason speaks and untutored nature says the same thing savages that are directed by natural law alone are very tender of the lives of each other they seldom shed blood but to retaliate former cruelty our saxon ancestors fierce as they were in war had but few executions in times of peace and in all commencing governments that have the print of nature still strong upon them scarce any crime is held capital It is among the citizens of a refined community that penal laws, which are in the hands of the rich, are laid upon the poor. Government, while it grows older, seems to acquire the moroseness of age. And as if our property were become dearer in proportion as it increased, as if the more enormous our wealth, the more extensive our fears, all our possessions are paled up with new edicts every day, and hung round with gibbets to scare every invader i cannot tell whether it is from the number of our penal laws or the licentiousness of our people that this country should show more convicts in a year than half the dominions of europe united perhaps it is owing to both for they mutually produce each other When by indiscriminate penal laws a nation beholds the same punishment affixed to dissimilar degrees of guilt, from perceiving no distinction in the penalty, the people are led to lose all sense of distinction in the crime, and this distinction is the bulwark of all morality. Thus the multitude of laws produce new vices, and new vices call for fresh restraints. It were to be wished then that power, instead of contriving new laws to punish vice, instead of drawing hard the cards of society till a convulsion come to burst them, instead of cutting away wretches as useless, before we have tried their utility, instead of converting correction into vengeance, it were to be wished that we tried the restrictive arts of government, and made the law the protector, but not the tyrant of the people. We should then find that creatures whose souls are held as dross only wanted the hand of a refiner we should then find that wretches now stuck up for long tortures lest luxury should feel a momentary pang might if properly treated serve to sinew the state in times of danger that as their faces are like ours their hearts are so too that few minds are so base as that perseverance cannot amend that a man may see his last crime without dying for it and that very little blood will serve to cement our security chapter twenty seven